In the mid-1600s, on a very dark night, a mysterious ship painted all in black, flying no flag, slipped quietly into Lynn Harbor. A rowboat was put over the side. In the small craft were four men and a chest. They rowed away from the ship, deep into broad sound, passing the Point of Pines and then up the Saugus River. They landed in an area today known as Pirate's Glen. Some of those on shore who had witnessed the strange happenings in the harbor headed for the woods to find them and whatever they were transporting, all to no avail. The men, the rowboat, and the treasure chest simply vanished into the Stygian darkness. The next day, however, there was a note nailed to the entrance of the Saugus Ironworks. It asked for supplies in exchange for silver. The note specifically mentioned the need for shovels, chains, and manacles. Instructions told the ironworkers exactly where the exchange was to be made. The workers followed through with the order, delivered their wares, and were promptly paid for their labors. The people of Lynn, however, were not satisfied with that being the end of the story. Rumors abounded that the silver the ironworkers were paid with came from the booty of the infamous pirate Tom Veal. Search parties were formed and combed the area. Eventually, the pirates were captured and brought to justice. That is, all but their leader, Tom Veal himself. He escaped deep into Lynn Woods, where he holed up in a cave together with his treasure at a place now called Dungeon Rock. At least that's how the story goes. It doesn't end there, though. Whether or not Tom Veal ever really brought a chest full of silver to Lynn, or if Tom Veal was a real person, both questionable, Dungeon Rock really does exist, and there were serious attempts to recover the treasure. That part of the story is not only verifiable, but it may well be more interesting than the legend. And, of course, it's also history. A long time ago, when I was about eight or nine years old, I went on an expedition with my father, a couple of uncles, and a few cousins. Parking at Pennybrook Road, we hiked about a mile into Lynn Woods along the edge of Breed's Pond to a huge boulder split in two. In the split, there was an iron door, which we opened. It led to a crude and slippery stairway deep into the ground, 135 feet down to be exact. We were armed with flashlights and also a bag of candles. We placed the candles on the walls of the man-made cavern and lit them. That was how we planned to find our way back out. The door was unlocked and there was no one there to stop us. Keep in mind, that was an age when there were far fewer liability claims. At the top, the tunnel was about seven feet wide. When we neared the bottom, the walls of the cave became closer and closer until it was nearly impossible to go down any further. It didn't matter. The bottom was filled with water and the subterranean journey was over in any case. Needless to say, we made our way back to the surface with no problems. 
It did whet my appetite to know more about this strange place. What could be more exciting to a nine-year-old than pirates and a secret cave and treasure hunting, practically in our own backyard? Before we get to the history of the cave, let's tie up the loose ends of the pirate story. No one is really sure what happened in Lynn Harbor or along the Saugus River on that night more than 300 years ago. For all we know, it's just myth. The story of Tom Veal, the pirate ship, and the treasure first surfaces in 1829 in A History of Lynn by Alonzo Lewis. He relates the story of the ship and the rowboat ride into the woods. He talks of the, of the Lynn town officials capturing all but one of the pirates. He then says that Tom Veal, the one who got away, fled into Lynn Woods, finding a cave to live in. Veal then became a respectable, although reclusive, member of the community. He set up shop as a cobbler and occasionally ventured down into town. Why Veal wasn't arrested like his cohorts, he doesn't explain. Everybody seems to know where he lived. In 1658, there was an earthquake that shook New England. The floor of Veal's cave gave way, and he was buried under the rubble, never to be seen again. J.R. Newhall, a later Lynn historian, asked Lewis for his source for the story of Veal and the treasure. He said Lewis refused to answer. Newhall did some of his own investigation. In his 1865 history, he says the following. Without any desire to obliterate the glowing impressions which a fond credulity loved to cherish, it seems a duty to inquire as to the foundation on which these stories rest. No recorded evidence has been discovered respecting the persons and the transactions so circumstantially brought to view. Among the records of the various courts, which abound in allusions, at least to matters of even the most trivial significance, nothing is found. And none of the gossiping old writers who delighted especially to dwell upon whatever partook of the wonderful and mysterious make any mention of these things. The alleged abode of the pirates was almost within a stone's throw of the ironworks, which were in operation at the time, and yet we find no evidence that any about the works even suspected the neighborhood of the outlaws. I once directly questioned Mr. Lewis as to whence he obtained the information, but he declined answering. It has, however, been understood that he simply claimed the authority of tradition." Regardless of the veracity of the story, it caused quite a stir when first published. There were two immediate attempts to discover the hidden silver. The second consisted of igniting gunpowder kegs near the suspected cave. No treasure was revealed. Instead, it obliterated the entrance. Two decades later, 1852 to be exact, Hiram Marble of Charlton, Massachusetts, purchased five acres surrounding the cave. He was a spiritualist who claimed to have heard from the ghost of Tom Veal. He set out at last to find the treasure. He spent his life savings on the project, building a small house on the grounds, together with a few outbuildings, and moved there with his wife and son. Led by the spirit of the pirate, he began digging his tunnel, he created his opening to the right of the original collapsed cave entrance. His plan was to dig parallel to the cave and then veer left to join it. 
Instead, his tunnel veered in the opposite direction. When asked why he did that, he said, The ghosts told me to do it. Marble did go on to say that Veal said he had one more curve to make before reaching the cave. He apparently told Marble, We have a reason for keeping you from entering the cave at once. When his son Edwin got older, he joined in the search, using dynamite. The pair crawled along, digging at the rate of about one foot per month. When money got tight, they started charging for tours of the tunnel. Although their home had become a tourist attraction, the marbles never lost sight of their task to find the treasure. They kept on digging. Hiram Marble died on November 10th, 1868 at the age of 65 and was buried in the Bay Path Cemetery back in his hometown of Charlton while Edwin toiled on for the rest of his life. Edwin died in 1880. Unlike his father, he was buried at the site. Next to the entrance to the tunnel, a pink-hued rock marks his grave. The marbles Hiram and Edwin never found what they were looking for, at least not in their lifetimes. Their work was not in vain, however. For 30 years, hundreds of tourists had traped their way to Dungeon Rock, as the tunnel had become known. They get used to bringing their picnic lunches into this nearby wilderness on a Sunday afternoon. The citizens of Lynn were not ready to give up on this wonderland in the woods. A year after Edwin's death in 1881, the Trustees for a Free Public Forest was established. The new organization set out to protect the land forever. Money was raised and 1,600 acres were initially set aside, one-fifth of the landmass of the city of Lynn, for public recreation, conservation, and watershed. In 1930, the Happy Valley Golf Course was added. Today, there are 30 miles of trails for hiking, running, horseback riding, and cross-country skiing. In addition to what is today known as the Gannon Golf Course, there are three active reservoirs. It has been enlarged through the years. There are now 2,200 acres in Lynn Woods, making it the second largest municipal park in the nation. Added to that is a small piece in Saugus, as well as the adjacent Bow Ridge Conservation Area in Linfield, with its ruins of the Kallenberg Quarry and spooky Skull Cliff. Today, the land is well used by residents of Lynn as well as those of surrounding towns and cities. Apparently, there was treasure there after all. Thanks for listening. Come back next time for more Tales and Tidbits of New England as we dig out another story from Allen's Archives.